What's up, everybody? I'm back. This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast. Jack Daniels, Tennessee Sour Mash Whiskey, bringing you another episode. Enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking. Jack Daniels. I was talking to my buddy Tommy that works for Jack Daniels today about some upcoming events. I'm excited as heck with what Jack Daniels has got going on. I can't explain to you how excited I am for events. They... We're talking about some concerts. We're talking about Sturgis Bike Rally. I got invited back for the second year for in 2022. We got barbecue again in 2022. Every single bit of the Jack Daniels culture is dead on. I love it. I appreciate it. And remember, Jack Daniels strives to support conservation. Conservation doesn't just mean that they support a little bit of it, like hunting or fishing They support everything from habitat to the mountains, to the waters, to the woods. Every single bit of it, Jack Daniels is involved on a daily basis to make sure that America stays straight, America stays strong, and that nothing goes away with it. And that's what I love about the brand Jack Daniels. Thank you, everybody in Lynchburg, Tennessee. Jack Daniels, you are the bomb. I appreciate the support, everything you do for all of our brands here at This Life Ain't For Everybody and beyond. Tonight's episode of this life ain't for everybody is also brought to you by the one and only lear toppers we depend on lear they protect our gear all over the country as we drive america's back roads the highways the byways every single place that we go we can be rest assured that our truck is going to be secure and safe all the way from the driving to the stopping at the hotels everything is locked protected our dogs our guns our valuables lear is there for us and not to mention aesthetically they look unbelievable the options that you can get like the lear locker the lights the air conditioning the heating the carpet the windows every single thing that they offer you can design your own no matter what kind of truck you buy look to lear to put your topper on there design it go to your local dealer figure out exactly what you want what configurations you want and lear can build it thank you lear for doing what you do for our brands we truly are honored to be part of the lear family and we're back with part two of justin smiley and tate fogelman professional athletes making their living their revenue in sports justin's a football player in the nfl retired now Tate's just starting his NASCAR career in the NASCAR Truck Series. In part one, we talked about a lot of the younger days, the the history of what it took to get to where they're at now. And we left off talking about Justin's football career as he's playing for Alabama and what was going on during his tenure there. And I wanted to get to the draft day of he we talked about how he was projected to go in the first round but he slipped to the second round but still made a heck of a career in san francisco and bill walsh called him and asked him if he was interested in being a san francisco 49er and that's kind of where we were at as far as what it takes to get there is one thing but justin correct me if i'm wrong staying there is a completely different thing right yeah that that is the uh that's kind of the running joke in the in the NFL is getting to the NFL is easy. Staying there is the hard part. And everybody makes the joke that the NFL stands for not for long. You know, the average career is just shy of four years. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's one of these deals where, you know, you get there and you, you, you work hard, you work your whole life to obtain that goal. But 
the money to be made is in the free agent contract. That's not off the rip, man. You got to prove yourself. You have to become a starter, become a um, – be- the way that I look at it is that you have two guards per team and you have 32 teams. You have 64 guards in the NFL. You have to be one of the best 64 players in the world at your position to really, you know, really make a good living. And, uh, you know, and then you have individual goals like Pro Bowl, uh, All Pro, and these kinds of things which, you know, you hope to obtain. And when you're there in San Francisco and you're starting off your career, um, do you have the confidence, like when you get out there, you come from the University of Alabama, the tie, you know, you're talking about one of the top collegiate programs in the country more so i mean you were winning games and we talked about why people didn't know about it but alabama's a powerhouse obviously they've won six national titles in the last decade i think or something but seven seven that's right seven and okay so i mean yeah who's counting do you go into the nfl having confidence that you belong there well yeah that's a great question man you know look you can have all of the athleticism in the world. And that was kind of my game. You know, you know, at the time, you know, the Denver Broncos, they were a West Coast offense, which Bill Walsh kind of brought, you know, brought it about. Um, they, they relied on smaller, faster offensive linemen. They did things differently. There was only a few teams, Denver Broncos, the 49ers that ran that kind of deal, the Colts. Um, so I only fit a few offensive uh, schemes. But, uh, you know, I was I was super athletic. But you can be as athletic as anybody in the world. But the – and this is profound. This is crazy here. Is that, you know, at Alabama you may play – Tennessee one week and then you may play Sisters of the Poor the next or Mercer you know there's a drop off in the NFL you're playing BAs every day every game there's no drop off in talent you're playing unbelievable people and that was the thing that I had to I had to get my mind I had to wrap my mind around was that look here you better bring it every game And, and look it wasn't like, I just hopped in there, man, and I was doing my thing, you know. I mean, there was growing pains. You know, I was a senior in college. I mean, I was a junior, you know. I came out as a junior. I mean, I was still a college kid, you know, and I just jumped in there, and there was a learning curve. Tate, how long did it take you where you gained that confidence where you knew you belonged in the NASCAR truck series? Yeah, I mean, definitely growing up, I knew – I've been around it so long. I felt like that kind of gave me an advantage of other people. I mean, I got into the sport when I was five or six, and then just being around a family that was involved, I, I knew how to work on the cars, how to give good feedback to the crew chief, how to do that. And I felt like I was kind of ahead of people, but I also I just had experience on short tracks. I wasn't experienced with mile-and-a-half tracks, big super speedways like the NASCAR circuit raced on. So until I got those first few starts in 2018 and then, it took like basically till the end of the, my first full-time season and I was kind of becoming confident in myself and, and really figuring things out. You know, talking about what Justin was just alluding to, you're going against the top racers there are. 
you know, you don't get to go and take it take it easy. Like, hey, this week in Charleston, you know, I'm I'm only uh, going against one guy that's got some, you know, that's got some prowess and some experience in this. You're going against every every week. You're going against the best of the best. Yeah, and it's not just one person. I'm just facing off against. I'm facing off against 39 other drivers every weekend. I gotta bring it every weekend. I also am having to balance school too, and and balance a whole lot of stuff in my life right now. I'm 21 years old, so there's a lot going on right now. So. But when I get to the racetrack, I got to be all in. I got to prepare as much as I can throughout the week, and I got to be mentally in the game, too. How much, you know, we in my my sport of choice was baseball, and it's 80% mental. Yeah. How much racing is mental? I mean, I'd say the same thing, like 80%. I mean, you got to be physically in shape. Uh, I mean, there's some tracks that are more demanding than others, but it's just mentally you got to prepare yourself. I mean – like Talladega, that's probably one of the most mentally draining tracks. Like you're just focusing on maintaining that gap between the truck in front of you, trying to focus on that while you're listening to feedback from your spotter, like runs coming from behind you. Like you got to have eyes in the back of your head. There's just so much going on. It just drains you mentally. So, I mean, and and you got to be all in when it comes to racing. I mean, there's other distractions in life. There's things that I like to do, but when it comes down to it, um, racing—that's all I care about. And you gotta, you gotta be all in to be able to be successful. One of the things that he told me the other day that blew my mind—that I could not handle—you know, besides going 195 miles an hour in a truck that does not seem that safe to me when I watch them, <laughs> they truly don't. But in the cockpit, in the suit they're wearing, it's fire retardant suit. Yeah. Um, it gets up to 140, 145 degrees in that cockpit. Can you imagine uh, how long's the race last? You're going 95 laps. Yeah, 94 yeah. laps. What is it? Two hour race? Yeah, two two and a half hours. Just be in a sauna, in a sauna for I don't how you know. Essentially, that, he's uh, my hot tub's 104. Yeah, like and I can barely stay on that for 15 minutes. And he's wearing a fire hose. You know, I mean, you, yeah. we know how that feels. I mean, it's it's. It's not moisture wicking, no. you know. I mean, dude. I mean, that's that's an element that people don't see, and and they they just don't understand. There's a lot that goes into it, but that's why you're a pro, man. You know what I'm saying? That's why you're the best at what you do. And you're right. You're you're racing against the best every day. I mean, you got to bring your A game. Yeah. But but the 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 mental part of that is when you start when I start to get hot. In claustrophobic starts this, you know, claustrophobia starts yeah. to set in. That's a hard thing to overcome, in my opinion. Of man, I got to stay fast. Yeah, I got to stay safe. I got to know what's going on in front of me, behind me, to the sides of me. And at the same time, your body is just like the the heat is taking over. And I'm telling you, like it, it's it it sounds easy to do, but when I start to get that hot. In, in the vice versa, when you start to get that cold, you start to lose control. Yeah, and it's 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 a big part of it. Like one, I've had several you know X Games athletes on the podcast, um, and one of them who is a stud, he did the Red Bull Rampage, and he's just a stud mountain biker. Um, told me that the number one athletes in extreme sports are motocross guys, mm-hmm. and I said, why? 
I go, what about snowboarders? They're flipping, and Sean White's doing this, and David Wise is doing this. But Cam Zink, the, the guy that I'm referring to, the, the the guy that's won the Red Bull Rampage. I don't know yeah. if you've ever watched the Red Bull Rampage, but that shit is crazy oh, yeah. Yeah. on mountain bikes. I'm talking crazy to where they'll go to a certain spot, and it's usually a western state, mountainous, rocky terrain, Utah, Nevada, Idaho, and they build their own track. They build their own course. They design it. They put the jumps in, and then it's all judged on on difficulty and trick and everything that they do well he told me i said why why do you say motocross and he says because they're going this fast for this long and their heart rates at 180 the entire race 180 you know your resting heart my resting heart rate is 59 to 64 when i'm in the fat burning zone it's like 130 to 135 somewhere in there when i get up to 170 i'm like oh, holy shit i got to bend over and get a breath That's right. 180 for that many laps and your forearms are tense your core is working your balance and that's the same as like when you're in the truck and yeah. you're, you're at 145 degrees and your freaking arms are shaking and your forearms and all of that stuff starts to come to effect when you watch a race on tv you don't take any of that no. into account you don't even think about that shit no. you're just like wow they're going fast and like what eli alluded to the other a couple minutes ago he's like just turn left yeah. dude there is so much that goes into this when you watch those motocross guys you're like well that looks fun dude they're going through hell man they got to yeah. be in unbelievable shape yeah. to perform that way you're right i mean it's i it's hard to really fathom but i mean i you know, I talked about it earlier. I, I really think that that, obviously, that's what makes you a pro, man. I mean, you know, it's all the the those things. I mean, people take for granted. They, they, they just they don't understand what goes into it. We talk about, you, you know, you, Tate, and all the things that you do. Um, man, I have such a respect for it because, um, you know, it uh, – it didn't fall in your lap, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's there's a process and, and you I mean you you you're a you're a pro at it. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, man. Do you do you think that you know, being in that truck and, and being on that track is where you wanna be? Is that your you know, a lot of people that make their passion or their hobby their livelihood. You know, a lot of people yeah. told me you're never gonna duck hunt again if you make it your livelihood. Well, I love it more now than I ever have. Yeah. But do you love it as much as you did when you were six years old climbing into that go-kart? Yeah, so when I first started, I was five or six. I raced like the first year. And then my dad couldn't come to the track. So uh, it was me and my mom. And we were getting ready to go to the race. And I was like, I'm, I'm not getting in. Like I don't, I don't want to race anymore. So I actually quit for a year. Like I just I didn't like it. I know. My dad, he was big on wanting me to race to begin with, and then I came to a point where I just I didn't want to do it. And then we went a year or so, and I was probably seven years old, came back to my dad. I was like, I, I think I want to get back into it again, start racing. And, of course, he was all in, my grandpa too, because um, my grandpa lives like two minutes from me. The race shop we always went to when I was younger, me and my dad worked at, was was my grandpa, behind my grandpa's house. So I've been around it with with him the whole family basically so they were all in and then ever since then i mean i've just gotten more and more passionate about it every year i mean i'm probably the most passionate about it and and care about it the most right now than i than i ever have um <clears throat> along the same lines justin uh smiley talk to me a little bit about does the the fear or the 
threat of injury, the brain injuries, the concussions, the things that go wrong in the game of football. Here, here, I'm just going to be straight up honest with you. Yeah. I freaking hate football. I watched the hits and the freaking injuries. Just the other night in the Georgia-Alabama National Championship game, I saw some hits to where I'm like, that hey, is not supposed to happen Chad, in the human body. It was, it, it was hard for me to watch too, man. I don't like I, that shit. I cringed. I, listen, the farther that I get away from my career, the more that I dislike it as well. You're not the only one. Um, it, man, It you know, obviously our body wasn't designed for that. Um you know, I liken it to the gladiator sports, man. You know what I'm saying? Like the people in the Coliseum, Roman times, and they released the lion in there, and it's the fight. I mean, people have been doing this forever, and they love to watch this kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, I mean, I love the sport, you know, as, as, a, as a young kid, and it was something that – I just absolutely just uh, obviously adored. But now, like you said, I watch it on TV, and it it pains me. You know, it, it's tough to watch. But let's talk about some specifics real quick. Um, Junior Seau. This, when, Junior, when I see footage of him playing – he looked like the most happy-go-lucky man in the world, smiling, loving it. Now, I know that everybody's got demons and darkness, but relate that to this new cat that just took off his pads and his jersey and, like, threw it and then, like, did everything he did in front of the crowd and then ran off the field. I think he's playing for Tampa Bay. Antonio Brown? Yeah, Antonio Brown. Yeah. Is this normal? Is this, is this, a, is this because their, their, their brains are not working because of the hits they've taken? Is, is man, it proven yet? Uh, I mean – Hey, it, it, it is. I mean, it, the, the science is there now, you know, um, it's postmortem, you know, I mean, somebody has to die and like you said, they have to dissect and, and look at it under a microscope. But I mean, you can look at somebody's behavior and know that that's not normal, you know, um, the rash decision making, um, you know, it came out yesterday. He, he he has regret now that he did that, but he has no control over impulse. You know, and th these are the signs of those things. And and like Junior Seah and Dave Durson and Mike Webster and all these guys. Like I said, football has not been around for really that long, and now we're getting to the age where we finally see the lasting effects of those hits. Do you, how do you deal with the pain? Because I can't imagine the Sunday after a game like that, that your body's not in pure pain for yeah. at least 48 hours. Is it, is, is, do you have to be on Advil every day? Do you have to be icing every day? Or are you taking supplements yeah. that are, are – do you have to go get shots and, and injections all the time? Let, let's be let's be real. I mean, I'll be candid Yeah. because I love you. I'll, I'll tell you straight up. Look, Advil doesn't cut it. And I know, you know, Tordal was a, is a magical drug, and it's – 
a, a very, very potent anti-inflammatory. And, you know, I remember everywhere that I played before a game, the line to get into the doctor's room in the locker room would be 53 guys long, and we only have 53 guys on the roster. Everybody's getting a Tordal shot. And the way that that worked was that you go in and you get your shot, and you don't feel anything until Wednesday, and you felt like a bus hit you on Wednesday. And I got so beat up. I mean, I had 17 surgeries, and I was taking two Tordal shots a week. They they don't suggest that you take one Tordal shot every four months, and I'm taking two a week, and, and I had no idea that they, it causes kidney failure and all these kinds of the things. The team doesn't care either. They're just like, get him out there, get him out there. Hey, man, that's the name of the game. You're no good. I remember Bill Parcells. I mean, I, this is this is pretty cool. I'm gonna say it on your podcast. Bill Parcells. It, <laughs> Tell the Judy story. It, Ryan loves this, by the way. I'm not going to tell the Judy story. I'll, that's a different story. Um, you know, you had treatment. If you were an injured player, you had treatment every day at 530 in the morning. You do your treatment and you do all your stuff. And like you said, ice and stem and all that good stuff to me was a bunch of bullshit. Right. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I mean, yeah. come on. That does nothing. Right. You know, give me a couple of Vicodin. Go out there, and I mean, how do you play football? I mean, most people know if you take a narcotic pain pill, how loopy you feel. Man, I'd take two. They'd give me two. I'd go out there and play like a damn baller. Most people can't even walk to the damn bathroom and piss in the toilet straight (laughs) without getting it all over the toilet seat. But that's just the way you operate, man, because you had to. You were no good. And Bill Parcells asked me, he said, Justin, you have a pool guy. You love your pool guy. You bullshit with him around the pool and you hang out. But you go to swim in your pool and you got leaves in your pool every time you go to swim. He's no good to you. You know? You, he said the best ability is availability. Right? Yeah. That's some serious stuff, man. Think about it. Oh, yeah. you're, you're not available. You're no good to us. Yep. Right? So you do what you got to do, man. You know, because I looked at it this way right here. My shelf life was just so long, and I had to ride it to the wheels fall off. Do you ever worry, before I get back to Tate, I want to talk to Tate about the dangers of NASCAR. And I mean, there's got to be dangers, right? 195 miles an hour in that I, little I mean, To me, that's a different ball game, man. Yeah, that's, yeah. But do you ever worry that you're going to wake up and your brain's going to be a little bit off of, and, and you might be, you might suffer, or would you know by I mean, now? How, I mean, Look, man, how could I not? Ryan's telling me the other day I'm an angry man. Angry? uh, Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, look, I get angry about some things that I probably shouldn't. You you know, I mean, look, I have – did you ever feel unsafe hunting with me today? With you? No. (laughs) No. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's certain things that I'm very cautious about. (laughs) <laughs> exactly all right that's a different podcast uh, i'm like I, i'm cognizant i'm always aware of these things but dude i do find myself getting pissed off about very small things that are very minor and subtle and to me that's a trigger i mean like i know um but but i'm aware 
you know? I, I don't know what tomorrow That's holds. scary to me. That whole that whole brain deal, man, it's like you cannot not get injured in that game, in my opinion. It, it, it's, man, it's and, a and, car wreck and every here's play. The deal, and we talked about this last podcast. You're getting clawed in the helmet in every play as a lineman. And I understand that the linebackers will hit hard and the D, the defensive end is going to come up and the, the, the receiver is going to get laid out once in a while and the running back is going to come through the two-hole and get smacked by the inside linebacker. But linemen are going through it all the time. I just think that I don't know, and I, and I hear this, and I don't, I, 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 there, I'd have to do some more research on this, but there was a time in the league, if I remember the story right, and I hope somebody fact checks me on this, but we were alluded to this last time. I might they had to get five, you. They had five neurosurgeons on the board, on this roundtable discussion board. It was one of those question and answer deals. It's during the alumni deal and the player meetings and stuff. And the question was posed, would you let your kids play football? To these neurosurgeons. These are guys that deal with the brain. And they said... Four out of the five of these neurosurgeons said never, not one down. The fifth one said not a day before he or she turned 17. And I put she in there because I guess in today's age, you, you say that. And girls can play football. I'm not, I don't want to leave them out. Yeah. I would never let my daughter play football against boys. Ever in my life would I. I mean, it's just, I mean. No. Nate I mean, who are you kidding? Not happening. But the fifth one said not a day before he or she turned 17. That tells me right now that you go and watch these kids tackle and you watch their form and you watch them put their head down and headbutt somebody else. None of it is doing them any good. Well, Chad, it, you, you it, remember when we were kids, it wasn't, hey, you had a concussion or you were concussed. You got your bell rung. Yeah, you got your bell you know, rung. Oh, and I'm seeing stars. You know how many times I saw stars? Me too. And I walked by the huddle and, you know. And by the time the next play, I had regained. It just can't be. It just can't. I'm not saying that baseball doesn't have injuries because there's probably more injuries in baseball. There's little baseball ones. players that have and had CTE. There are, but there's a lot more risk in football of CTE. I agree. In my opinion. So I guess it is. It's. I guess it's more of you got to pick and choose your battles. I know football's never going to go away. I know that there's that mentality of Friday Night Lights and that it makes sense. All I'm saying is that. I don't want people out there to think that you have to play football to be tough. I I regret playing football because it I broke my wrist, I tore my shoulder, I broke my tailbone, almost broke my collarbone. I sucked at football. I was you know you like you know when like you don't do if you're scared of something you don't do it because you're going to get hurt. That was me because I was even scared back then playing high school football. Like, what am I doing out here? And which I look, makes you more susceptible. More right? susceptible. And I look back on it. The only reason I played is to to be somebody, to wear that jersey on Fridays um, in the locker and, in, and, in the hallways. And I hate and I hate that. And I hate that anybody ever feels that. You know what I'm saying? Feels that pressure. You shouldn't. You, know want, you shouldn't have to feel it. No, pressure. You, you I want to tell people don't do it. Don't hey, don't feel that. Well, we we talked about. It. I think we should touch on it for a minute. We talked about um, these guys who play football, and 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 you see people, you know, the suicide rates, and people that are depressed, and you know, CT and all this stuff. And um, I just tell them, like, man, find something that you truly love. For me, it's waterfowl hunting and the camaraderie. It's as close as you get to the locker room, man. Yeah. Like the time we had in the in the pit today, that was awesome. the camaraderie and that kind of stuff. You can't. I mean, there's nothing 
like it. It's almost like the football nothing. locker room. There's nothing. And, and it's therapy. It's therapy. We're going to end the podcast because we could go on and on. But I want to talk to, to Tate a little bit about your outlook on safety, your future of being a 21-year-old kid. Is there fear when you're in the truck? I know that you've done it for a long time, but there's big wrecks in NASCAR. Are there a lot of injuries, Tate? Or is it so safe now since Earnhardt? Um, I know that the walls are different. I know that the protection's different. The padding's different. Everything's been, you know, obviously you, you have to be safe because your truck can catch on fire. You can roll over. You, your cage is, you know, indestructible almost. Are you scared when you get in that truck at all? Is there a fear? Would you be crazy to, to not have a little bit of fear when you climb inside that cage? Yeah, I mean, I was... I mean, at Talladega, Daytona, there's always going to be a big wreck. It's always in the back of your head, but, I mean, you're a race car driver. You can't be scared to do what you do. So, I mean, just like you were saying, since Earnhardt, I mean, the the head, re- like, head neck restraints in the cockpit, the fire suits, fire retardant, gloves, shoes. Um, some people wear, so- like, head socks under their helmets. Uh, the headrest, the um, containment, like, around your head and the seat. Just the changes they made, like on the chassis, the roll cage, the safer barrier walls you mentioned. Uh, I mean, there's just so much that's gone on now that it's, it's, it's honestly kind of hard to get hurt. Um, I mean, there's there's wrecks that people people might break a bone. I mean, there one last year, year before, guy broke his back. Um, but but it's uh it's gonna take a really bad wreck for I think any anybody to get close to dying because just the the advancements they've made in, in technology and, and everything and inside the cockpit and, and advancements on the track with the walls and everything, I think it's uh, it's been a big improvement. And something, I, I mean, I, I don't go in any race scared, but, I mean, there's always, you know you're going to be involved in a wreck at some point. That's just what you always think about. You've been involved in some. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, any any race car driver out there has always been involved in some sort of wreck. I think it's I think it's admirable, but I think it's nuts. When I saw how fast you were, you really don't get the gist of NASCAR unless you're there. You can watch it as much as you want till you're blue in the yeah. face on TV, and it's just like, oh yeah. When you're there, like when I'm at Indy and I hear those engines and I see how fast they are, I'm like, never in my life would I get in that car. Yeah, I know. Like, never. Everywhere that goes there, like I'll go back and watch a race on TV, and I'm like, it looks like we're going so slow. And then like once you, once you go there and like. I ride up by the fence and to see it in person, it's it's totally different. I know people watch it on TV. They say like they like it and and, and like watching the races, but those people that actually go and, and watch your race for the first time, I feel like they're hooked once they can actually go oh, and I see it firsthand. I can't wait to get back. Yeah, look for Tate, 2022 NASCAR Truck Series. You're gonna see some uh, recognizable names, brands. On the side of his truck both sides and the hood oh yeah we got some stuff going on i can't wait to watch him race what, tell us when you kick off february yep february 18th daytona is the first one daytona that's big time man. i like daytona i big like florida time. yeah football super bowls at the end of the season super bowl for us that's how we kick off our season yeah the biggest one of the year i love it man we're gonna be pulling for you bro thank you i appreciate well, a, it we might even be there yeah hey yeah don't, tip, don't be tip even me. better yeah Justin, we're going to have more of these talks with you too because I'm very interested in all of this. I, I, I like the idea that we can openly discuss 
things that you guys have both been a part of and have experience in, in history with, because there's a lot of questions to be, to be raised. Like I often ask myself, you know, my nephew, I watch him in his sports. Would I be pissed off at my brother if he let him play football? How, you know, you mentioned you can only hold him back for so long. You got to let him be kids. You got to let him be athletes, but I don't know if I'd let him. I just, I don't know. I don't freaking know. I, it scares me, but look, you had a hell of a career. I hope what, you know, our, our friend Rhino said that you're an angry man isn't true. I don't think you're angry. I wouldn't want you to be angry at me. The only time I've seen him hey. angry was at darts the other night. Yeah. Oh, he, got his, hey. he got his yeah. ass whipped. There, hey, I have my moments, man. Justin Smiley, he will be back. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to Jack Daniels. Thank you to Lear Toppers. We... You, we're let me just to be straight up and transparent with everybody we're, we're working as hard as we can we're on the road and we are trying to bring as much content as possible we're doing these podcasts i understand 100 wholeheartedly these conversations can go on and on but you got to figure out a way to stop them and get some kind of rest because we can't afford to let our bodies wear down we still have a month and a half of the season left we're grinding hard hopefully y'all are enjoying the content brand new episodes of the foul life tv happening right now this is this life ain't for everybody podcast please check out our sister podcast the foul life podcast and where the payment ends support the partners and sponsors that support ours our lifestyle our culture everybody is working hard out here let's all come together let's drop the inner fighting and everything that we do we got a big year coming up 2022 tate fogelman nascar truck series justin smiley you're going to see him on upcoming episodes of the foul life hear him on more of our podcast hell i might even approach him about hosting his own podcast under the this life ain't for everybody umbrella he would be good at it i just don't i just don't know his sidekick is this guy larry fryman and larry does not talk that much but you'll hear larry on an upcoming episode <laughs> of the foul life podcast we're having fun we're bringing it to you hopefully y'all enjoyed that tom eli hit that button this song is called what you gonna do when the money's all gone it was written by leith lofton and drake white this is the version sung by my main man leith lofton aka hoss thank y'all so much What you gonna do when 